Hey guys, this is your host, Will. I have some announcements to take care of prior to the seventh installment of the podcast. First, I have some exciting guests scheduled for the near future. One is a pretty famous detective turned apologist, and the other is an Anglican priest who has made some waves in the past year. I also have some episodes recorded with another well-known Christian apologist. That being said, I'm going to try to continue to upload weekly in the near future, but no guarantees. This is still my side gig. Also, I'm always looking for new guests. If you know anyone you think would be great for the show, have that person reach out to my email, remainingsanepodcast at gmail.com. There's a link attached in this episode. That being said, enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to the Remaining Sane, Finding Peace in Our Chaos podcast, a podcast about both theology and police work. I'm your host, Will. And in today's episode, I interview a military veteran and current police officer's wife, Stacy. Stacy, how are you today? Hi, I'm good. Thanks, Will. Good. Um, one of the things that we talked about in a couple of previous podcasts is the importance of marriage. And I know there's a lot of different views on marriage, but as we stated earlier, you've been married for, for about 10 years uh, with a current police officer and a military veteran. And so I figured it'd be great to have you on to talk about what marriage is like with, you know, someone that's been, has been doing this for a hot minute, give or take. Right. Um, so just starting out before we get into some, practices inside of your marriage. Would you mind just telling us what, what marriage is? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my view on marriage is, you know, it's a legally or formally, um, you know, recognized union of two people. Um, it's easy to get married, but it's, it's hard to be in a good marriage. And I think those are two completely different, um, topics. But as far as a marriage, I think it's, you know, a union between two people, who love each other. So, and you know, as, as we mentioned before, you've been married 10 years now. Mm -hmm. Um, you've got a few kids. Is that correct? Um, what for, and you know, it takes a whole lot of learning to keep doing it for 10 years, right? You know, we, you don't just fall into a 10 year marriage. Um, I don't think so going into that, what does a healthy marriage look like and you know feel free to talk about your own marriage some like you know, what are what are a couple of practices that y'all have to 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 foster a a healthy marriage absolutely so one thing i'm told often is that i'm lucky and luck has nothing to do with being in a good marriage um it's a lot of work and it is a choice every single day that you have to wake up and choose to walk this path and to be there for your spouse. Um, some days you do it subconsciously and some days it's a conscious decision to be there for your spouse on those hard days. Um, and just kind of looking back over my journey, um, we've been through deployments, we've been through 
July 16th together. We've been through the protests together. So just a, just a quick uh, reminder. So July 16th is an event that happened in our area where we had an active shooter. Police responded. Uh, we had six different military members die. Yes. So it was a really bad day for our area. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so it's definitely walking through those dark times with your spouse. Um, and I know this this podcast is about police officers, but as much as the wives need to work or walk with their husbands through these times, you know, the husbands also need to put in the work with the wives. Um, it definitely goes both ways. Yeah, yeah most definitely. Um, I mean, something anecdotally that I've noticed is that, you know, there, in our, our culture a lot, we talk about um, falling in love with someone, right? You know, th- it is true. You do fall in love with someone, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, that's, that's how people get married, right? You know, you mm-hmm. fall in love with a person, but that euphoria almost that, you know, that pleasurable feeling that you have from falling in love, although it may stay around even for a couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. It, you know, it eventually it, it doesn't, it doesn't go away permanently, right. but there are seasons in life where it feels as if it goes away. I mean, I especially mm-hmm. I'd imagine during a couple of deployments, like something like that, mm-hmm. that's really bad because, mm-hmm. you know, um, you're not with your husband who we're going to call Thomas, mm-hmm. but marriage is like, it's, it's a, it's a work, right? Like you actually, you actually have to make decisions to contribute to your marriage that may be against what your emotions want right like you know you you may not feel like getting up and and doing things for your spouse but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day we are we have to be servants to each other right you know as we serve each other hopefully we serve christ absolutely right and that was something when we got married and we were younger um we had a lot of friction um it was well i mowed the yard so i do all the yard work you should do the housework and we were both doing full-time jobs at that time and it was a lot of well i did this so you should do that like it should be 50 50 and marriage is not 50 50. throughout the years we've really become kind of a custom at first it kind of started as a competition like who can outdo the other person of how much they do for each other and now it's just kind of becoming habit um that you know i don't mind mowing the yard when i know he's in classes all week um you know i pick up the slack when he's only able to give 20 and then vice versa when i'm only able to give 20 he picks up the slack and it's not this competition you know well i did this and you know you didn't do this it's now we just try to be good spouses and like to each other. Um, and I think another thing with talking about putting in the work and even if you don't feel like it in emotion, one thing I learned after having my first child is the hormones and the emotional stuff. I broke down over pillows with this conversation with Thomas and, but I could recognize this isn't right. <laughs> like I am feeling this, but this isn't right. And I think in a good marriage, you also have to realize, oh, my emotional state's really high about this. Is it really important? Like take a step back and really think about it practically before you say that cutting comment or that, you know, that statement that is going to make whatever issue an even bigger issue down the road. Yeah. yeah. You know, once again, anecdotally, that is, that that's something that I've noticed is that, you know, you can't, if you want to love your spouse, you can't treat your spouse as your enemy, right? Correct. You know, you yeah. can't, 
try to get the last word in or, or, you know, win every argument mm-hmm. because, you know, that, that defeats the whole, the whole purpose of the marriage. Right. Right. And, and in some ways, um, you know, marriage, I, I believe in biblical correct when I say that, you know, marriage is you becoming one flesh, right. Yes. In, in some, in, in some ways, so, you know, each of the, you know, once again, I'm, I'm Anglican. And so for us, we have, we have seven sacraments and one of the sacraments we believe is marriage and, but you know, not getting into if there's two or seven or 18 million different sacraments. One of the things that, that we believe about marriage is that marriage is a reflection of just like the other sacraments. It is a reflection of how Christ sanctifies us because he does it through the other person. Mm-hmm. And on top of that is it also is a foil it's not a direct reflection, but it is a foil for what Christ dies on, on what Christ does on the cross for us. Christ fully gives his flesh so that we might live, right? Absolutely. And we give each in a marriage especially, you give up of of your flesh mm-hmm. f- so that, you know, each other may live, right? Mm-hmm. And for the man that is I mean for the most part, for the for the man that's going out and, you know, working and and it doesn't. It doesn't always look like that, but um, in Genesis we find that that Adam is going to be continually burdened by the soil. Right? Mm-hmm. It's always work is never going to escape him. Mm-hmm. Um, and for Eve, it's childbirth. And what is especially reflective, I, I think, of marriage um, is that like you know, the woman puts in a huge sacrifice, a massive sacrifice every time, you know, she has a child, you bring this up with hormones, but not even just hormones, but the, the whole process of, of having mm-hmm. a child is a, is a massive, massive sacrifice. And you've been through it a couple of times. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You have anything to, to add on that? Um, well, just going back to, you know, that reflection of Christ, um, something that was just said to me last week that really just kind of, opened my eyes too, is that, you know, the statement was made is when you are standing before Christ and he says, you know, we're all made in his image. We're all sons and daughters. And in my situation, he's going to ask me, how did you treat my son? You know, for Thomas's question, it's going to be, how did you treat my daughter? And it, it just kind of put it in a different light of, you know, how, how am I treating God's son? You know, like I need to be treating him with kindness and respect and forgiving him and the same thing then with him. And that was just, it was kind of a different perspective um, that I really have been kind of thinking about the last week and a half or so, but it was really enlightening thinking about it that way. I think, and especially for a police officer, there there are some unique um, complications that may come across uh, mm-hmm. with, with being married, you know, my wife and I, uh, we've been married almost four years now. And, you know, all I've done is, has been a cop. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we've gone through all kinds, you know, we, we've been through the crazy shifts. We've been through the, um, through the, the administration calling you in and you having to, you having to say about it, you have to come in. Uh, we've gone through having to stay late for work, coming in early, all this. Um, but w- would you mind, you know, go, going through, you know, what are some unique struggles that you've seen over, you know, the, uh, 10 years you've been married to Thomas. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, when he first joined, um, the department, he was on third shift and 
he loved third shift. He loved the, it was the beginning of his career. He loved, you know, being downtown, which is where he was. He loved just kind of the, the grind that it brought. Um, during that time, I realized as his wife, I needed to prioritize his sleep. And I also needed to prioritize him being able to work out. Um, those two things, I hear lots of stories of wives who wake their husbands up throughout the day to get stuff done or to go do things, and they are running on zero sleep. Um, it was one practice that I always put in place because, you you know, if your husband's going in and working overnight and he's tired and he's falling asleep in his car, you know, anything could happen. Um, and so that's one thing, like, I tell so many wives whose husbands are on third shift is let him get his sleep, let him get his full eight hours, because it just blew my mind how many officers who are on third shift are not getting adequate sleep. They're either being woken up or they're working extra jobs. Um, And that's one thing. And then as, and also working out just for his health, for his mental health, um, those two things on third shift really made sure that when he was present in our home, that he was fully present. Um, and then also just making sure, you know, as we've kind of moved through, um, his career is just having that open communication. Communication has to be a key and you have to have the courage to bring up, you know, those feelings that you're feeling, even if you're like, this is kind of silly. I don't, maybe I shouldn't be feeling this. Bring it up. Talk about it. Um, we have uncovered so much about each other through just having that open dialogue with each other. If he is, you know, he was an FTO and he would come home and talk about women that he was training and he'd be like, are you comfortable with that? Do you want to see my phone? Are you, you know, you have to have that open communication. And I know so many people get so, they hold all that so close because they're like, well, if you trust me, you, you know, wouldn't be asking those questions, but you have to have the open dialogue. You've got to be able to make sure that your spouse feels confident and that they fully trust you on every level. Um, So I think that communication over the years, and it's hard at first, but it's definitely, it's gotten so much better and another unique challenge I think that police officers face is that, especially as a department gets bigger, mm-hmm. um, the communication to you is not great. And so you find out about stuff really quickly, right? Yes. Um, so, you know, your husband is on call a lot. I mm-hmm. assume that, you know, he's been called out at you know the absolute worst time, right? Yep. Um, have you, do you have any, any kind of Uh, thoughts on, you know, being on call or anything about that? Um, Absolutely. So he's had a couple search warrants this week. Every time they finish with a search warrant, like after they clear the house, I get a text, all is good. Um, Because there have been times in the past before we put that practice into place where something, not necessarily that something would go bad, but something would hit the news and I would see it on Facebook or something. And then I would be like, are you there? Like, where are you? Um, so we have put that in place where whenever he has a search warrant or has a SWAT call out or anything like that, when it is the dangerous part is over with, I will get a, just a quick text. Good to go. And that's all I need. Um, and so I think that's really important um, that we feel like they are being safe, that they are safe, that that dangerous part is over. Um, I do also think that because a lot of people will ask me, how do you do that? How do you have like, how do you stay calm? And I think a lot of that does go back to the deployment because we would go weeks without talking at all. Mm-hmm. So just getting that little bit of reassurance, it's 
it, it's so helpful when you're back at home and you don't know what's going on, especially like you said, the news travels so quickly. A lot of times we're reading about things before it even, you know, we even have a chance to talk to them. Yeah. One of the worst thoughts that, you know, I have is that something would happen to me and then my wife find out from the news before she finds out from me or, you know, God forbid from another officer. Right. That being said, you know, we've talked about a couple of the, the unique struggles and you, you've already talked a little bit about some of the, the, the measures that you take in order to, to have, you know, a good, prosperous, fruitful, Christ-centered marriage. Do you have um, any more measures that you'd like to share that y'all take? Yeah. One thing is we are very protective of his time. Um, he spends a lot of time at work and like you said, being on call, um, for any extra jobs, if that hourly mark or that hourly pay does not hit a certain level, then he will not take it. Um, I know police officers are really overworked with a job and then doing additional extra jobs. That is one thing that we make sure that he, when he is home, like he's not being, out and about spreading himself so thin that he cannot be present as a husband and as a father. We also really pour back into our spiritual lives. We will do a week-long Bible study together every other week in the evenings. We put the kids to bed. We usually pull up Right Now Media. We'll find either a parenting or a marriage video or even, you know, a study on one of the books of the Bible. Um, And we've been doing that now for a couple years. And I think that not only generates really good conversation, it opens up doors if there's any insecurities, things like that. And it just kind of generates, you know, it, it, we grow closer because of it. That's something I want to hit on is that, you know, as police officers, we, it is really hard for us to get a routine, right? Mm -hmm. Our job, it does not provide, especially working patrol does not provide a good routine, right? You know, on paper, we come in at X time and leave at X time, but that almost never happens. At least once a week, we're coming in early. Mm-hmm. Um, there's court, and you, and then especially, you know, if you want to advance yourself in the department, then you've you know got to find your your niche and you've got to go at it, and that's got to be either on overtime or somebody's not get paid for it. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's that's not a that's not healthy necessarily, um, or that is not healthy for your marriage, but. Um, I think for a police officer developing a, a routine, this is still something that, you know, my wife and I are working on having like an actual routine that you follow is, is crucial because, uh, we are, we as humans, we crave, we don't crave just being left in a lurch, right? Mm -hmm. We, we want to know what's coming. And um, th- that can be a vice. You know, we can want to know everything, the entire future. We're not going to know that. Um, you know, we're not God. But it, it does provide peace for, you know, not only your-, your spouse, but your whole family when you know your routine and, you know, you do the same things over and over. And that's, in, that, that's something we've, we've hit on over and over. The, the way that you get better at doing something is that you do it and you do it consistently. You don't um, start... You, you don't start shooting a gun and get really good at shooting a gun by doing, you know, a week long intensive class. The better way you get, the way you get better at shooting a gun is six months, 30 minutes a day, mm-hmm. you know, shooting a gun. And that, that applies to anything. So that applies to your marriage when it comes to, um, when it comes to having Bible study or, you know, we, we do a daily office. That's what we call, um, our, our version of like a family prayer. Um, 
and I, I think that, that that's something I want to stress is that the, the the emphasis on on having a routine, on on doing the same thing set aside for a certain amount of time each day or every other day or you know a certain day, because as, as cops we can we can lose that very quickly. It's especially with the job we work because you know we we never we never we never know when we're working, and then we never know when we're going home. And then you never we know what that next call is. I yeah. mean, you could, it could be talking to a homeless person and then going to a drowning of a child. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there's no routine, especially on patrol. Yeah. Yeah. It, it seems that whenever I have never once gone to work and thought that I'm going to have a crazy call today and then turned around and had something just wild it's mm-hmm. it's you know it, it tends to be the days where you're just in your routine you know doing the normal stuff going to your wrecks going to your disorders and then something crazy comes out right absolutely and and to kind of build on that as police officers it it makes it even more important that you know when you get home these are the things that are going to be put in place like this is your routine when you get home because you're so out of routine for, you know, eight, 10 hours a day that it's kind of a fresh of breath air. Like, okay, I'm going to go home and we're going to be, you know, X, Y, and Z tonight because this is our, our evening routine Mm -hmm. or in the mornings, you know, um, Thomas and I both have our own morning routines where we both are in the Bible separately, you know, then he goes and works out and I start getting the kids up and it's the same every morning. And I think that that is very helpful, especially, you know, thinking back to those patrol days where he was on patrol and how chaotic it would be when he would get home and just hearing about all the different calls. It was kind of, you know, I could see it just kind of wash over him. Like he could just take a deep breath, like knowing what this evening was going to look like. Well, something else I I want to jump into before we take a break is um, now that we've talked about the the importance of, of having a routine, what are a couple things that, you know, a police officer can do to maybe better his his marriage or, you know, as we talked about, to contribute towards his marriage so that they, you know, you both grow together and grow to glorify Christ? Um, I think definitely listening. Uh, the officer definitely needs to listen to his wife. No um, fear or anxiety, especially around the job, is too little. If, you know, just like my text after a search warrant, something that small, you know, listen to her and really um, make her feel comfortable with your job. When we're talking about police officers, I don't have the statistics, but there's so much infidelity and divorce and um, relationships between officers and so many things that a wife can feel uncomfortable about. And so making her feel comfortable about those things, you know, you should be an open book um, and don't make her feel silly for asking those questions. You know, the moment that you kind of make her when she asks a question and make her feel kind of silly for for asking that question, she's going to shut down and then she's going to start thinking the worst things. So just having that open communication. One of the, oh, I can't remember who said this, but, um, one of the things that I've read recently is that the greatest form of humility is reading or listening to, to someone, right? Like reading a book or listening to someone because you have deemed that person's 
input worth your time, right? And so when you listen to your wife or as a wife and you listen to your husband, you are, um, you are not only are you, you know, being nice and courteous to them, but you are actively physically participating in being humble because you're not talking, you're listening to someone else, right? And then even on top of that, not only listening to what the person says, but if you turn around and do what the person's asking you to do, that is an active practice that makes you more humble because you are practicing taking away quite possibly what you want and honoring the other person. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Um, Well, right here, I think we're going to take a short break. And we're back. Uh, Stacy, would you mind telling us a story um, in which Thomas really put your marriage, you know, ahead of police work and how, how that made you feel and, you know, how that possibly contributed to your marriage? Yeah, absolutely. So just a couple months ago, he was offered um, an extra job and it paid a lot of money. And he was also offered the ability for this extra job to organize all the officers that were going to help. So it was a really, a really big deal to him. And he was really excited about it. Um, But before jumping on board and saying yes, he called me Um, he didn't text me, he called me and was like, Hey, what do you think about this? Um, you know, it's going to take up this, this much of my time. And we talked about that. We made sure that our, you know, schedules were clear. And before he booked that, you know, we had that conversation and that really, that really spoke to me. And because, I mean, if it was me, I would have been like, heck yeah, I'm taking this extra job, (laughs) you know? Um, So it just really showed the respect that he had for me and our family and our family time that he was willing to call me and actually have that conversation before moving forward with it. And yeah, emphasis on on call, right? Yes. It was a full on conversation where we talked about the dates. We talked about if we had anything going on. He asked me, are you sure you don't mind, you know, because the you're going to be carrying the load at the house during this time. And so we really both made sure that we were, you know, on board with it before he moved forward with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, along those lines, I've got a similar story where we went the wrong way. I texted my wife and we, you know, is it okay for it to decide this extra job? And she was like, you know, kind of waffling back and forth, but she was really communicating no. And then, but you know, I thought that, um, you know, you know, we need the money for it. And then it's, turned to a squabble and eventually I had an, I apologized for it. Um, but you know, I think that having these conversations, you, a lot of times you can't have in person, unfortunately, mm-hmm. cause you don't see each other a bunch, but having them audibly is a lot better than having them over text because, uh, you know, it, it's important for you to, you know, sit down and not only talk about, how much money is coming in, but you know, how much of this time is it going to take up? How much, how many, you know, how much of my energy is going to go into this? 
Not uh, only that, just real quick, especially with extra jobs, because it's such a hot button in so many police marriages. And just to kind of touch on it a little bit, too, is a lot of times women prioritize time with our husbands, you know, where men want to be able to bring that income in and make that money. And so I think a lot of times that's where the disconnect is, where she's like, I just want to see you this week. You know, you're already, especially when if you're on your patrol, you're already working crazy hours. And then also making sure when you're checking in with your wife that it's okay. Like, how is she feeling? There are times when he's had extra jobs and I'm like, I need a break from the kids. Like I can't carry, you know, the household this week. I need at least an evening out, you know? And so checking in and just making sure that your spouse is able to carry that, that extra load, wherever that may be, especially if you have kids. And I think that, you know, the, these arguments don't come out, don't come out of, Oh, you know, I hate my spouse or I, I, I don't, I don't love her. So I'm not going to work this extra job or I am going to work this extra job. So I don't see her. No, people, people don't think that. No. Uh, for the most part, at least that stuff like that is not how that stuff starts. Mm-hmm. It may end that way. Yeah. What's important is that, you know, we're, we're both with that mentality where, you know, the man wants to go out and make the money and the husband wants to have time with, um, or the wife wants to have time with her husband that those feelings both come out of, you know, love for each other, right? You know, the husband's wanting to provide and the wife is wanting to, to spend time with her husband. You you have to reconcile that. Now, marriage is one big reconciliation, right? Absolutely. And so that's a, that's a small microcosm of what goes on, you know, every day, all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Along those lines. So, um, we talked a little bit about extra jobs, but for those of you who are not police officers and you don't understand what an extra job is, an extra job is extra employment that police officers can get nine out of 10 times. It pays better than working overtime. And so that being said, a lot of police officers will, or some police officers will use the extra job money as quote unquote fun money, right? Like it's the vacation money or the night out money or the whatever money. It's not the, it's not the least, hopefully it's not the, uh, you know, pay the bills money or the, Mm -hmm. you know, the mortgage money. And a lot of times though, like it is, and I don't know if it's within this community, but there have been many times that we've helped, uh, different couples, along the lines of finances and learning how to budget their money. Um, and so I feel like sometimes, you know, we do, they, everyone kind of sometimes gets too far deep and then they're spending all their time trying to play catch up and they're not changing those behaviors. Yeah. But the, the, the point that trying to get to here is that when you know, we use this what is hopefully extra money to go right. go do something you new, know, nine mm-hmm. out of ten times go take a vacation. All right, mm-hmm. um, what what are you know, police officers have a really bad um, reputation for you know always you know, wanting to be at work. Mm-hmm. I, I think that you know generally men tend to do this, but um, there's a lot of people that you know their life is or for a certain person his life is is his work and. And so when he does something that is completely outside of that, it's hard to completely disconnect, mm-hmm. right? Um, would you mind talking about the importance of, um, you know, when a police couple or a family goes to actually do something fun that, you know, the the police officer completely disconnects from that, not only work, but just all of the 
all the stuff that work bring. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of it, I kind of, I believe that great officers were destined to be officers. It's their calling. And so they really care about what they're doing. They really care about their cases. They really care about their workload. Policing is a vocation, not just an occupation. Correct. And um, so it is very hard to to disconnect. Um, You know, there are many officers who um, go to work and then the people they hang out with are their coworkers. They're in group me threads that are going off at 1130, 12 o'clock at night. Um, there are call outs. There are all kinds of different things. So it's definitely very important to disconnect and doing that however you can. Um, the one way Thomas disconnects just kind of whenever he needs to is going out in the woods and leaving his phone and chopping wood. So that's one way for your mental health. But then on a bigger scale, you know, making sure that you're scheduling that time with your family. Um, if you can afford a vacation to go and let your team know, Hey, I am turning off this group me text. I thread, I don't want any emails put up and out of office, you know, doing those things, not only is going to really help their mentality, but it's also going to like show respect to your wife and your kids that you're willing to fully be present with them during that time. And for me, I've noticed it may take a day or so for him to fully like be present, but he'll get there, you know? Um, and that's, it's definitely important. And when I say vacation, it doesn't have to be a couple thousand dollars. You don't have to spend that kind of money. Go camping in your backyard, do something, you know, as a family or as a, you know, a husband and wife, whether that's going and getting a hotel down downtown or something for a night and just making sure that he sets it up where his coworkers and friends know he he's, you know, out of the office. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've noticed that really difficult because we're we're constantly used to people calling us or testing us or asking a question or x y and z and you you eventually you know that that, you know the the actions you take form you right Mm -hmm. you know um once again we're going to reference you are what you love the physical environment that you put yourself in affects your actions. And so the physical environment of having a phone where it's constantly buzzing puts you in a mentality or, or puts you really in, not just a mentality, but like an emotional state or no, it, it puts you in a physical state where you're used to your phone going off all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I know plenty of police officers and this is not just police officers. This is anybody, anybody that is, yeah. is addicted to their phone. Mm-hmm. They, you know, feel like false vibrations with their, or their phone going off or they hear their phone go off. It didn't go off or, mm-hmm. Um, because you know you're so used to your you being contacted by people on your phone, and and you have to sometimes you have to just completely put that away because you're not at work, you're not getting paid, mm-hmm. so it, you know it, it should be away, right? Yeah, definitely use that do not disturb feature, and I mean because I can tell you too, we'll be in bed and it's eleven thirty and his phone's dinging and it's. The next morning I'll be like, was something important going on? Oh no, it was just so-and-so having a conversation. And it's like, that then affects me, you know? And so I think it's definitely important that we're being mindful of the, um, or that your spouse, your police officer um, is being mindful of the kind of interaction that's going on, especially if it's not important. Well, um, 
a couple more things I've, I've got to ask you. Um, let's say that you know we're our our, our marriage is um, as Danny Jones has put before. We tend to go in. This is just people, but people tend to go in spirals. They mm-hmm. tend to either spiral up or spiral down. So you know their their good actions tend to build, mm-hmm. and as you make good decisions, you either spiral up, hopefully towards Christ, or you spiral mm-hmm. down towards a lot of bad stuff. We don't even go to what that stuff is, but, um, what are some resources to, if we're spiraling down to turn that around and start spiraling up to start hopefully glorifying Christ, having a healthy marriage and, you know, loving your wife, loving your kids and you know, your life, loving your husband, you know, what are, where can we start to look for a, co- a couple ways? You know, maybe we need to be instructed as to how to do this, or, you know, we just need to have someone sit here and talk to us about, you know, how to fix some of these things. Um, yeah, there's a lot of different things. Um, first and foremost, you know, I think getting plugged into a great church. I think when you are in the word and you um, have that relationship with Christ, you're only going to go forward. You're making better decisions than you were yesterday. So that would be the first piece of advice that I have. The second, and if it's if it's the officer that's having issues, connect with peer support Find somebody who you can talk to that when you express what's going on at home, more than likely with your wife, that they're not putting her down, that they are on not your side, but your marriage's side. Yeah. Because if you surround your yourself with people where you are talking about a situation that's going on at home and they're just like, oh man, like, what are you doing with her? You know, like that's silly and, and making her problem smaller than what it is, then you're not surrounding yourself with the right people. You want to be around people that are supporting your marriage and rooting for your marriage, not just you, but both of you. Because your marriage at the end of the day is, if someone is wanting to support your marriage, you know, as you say, not trivializing your wife, Mm -hmm. then that person is supporting you because your marriage is going to support you more than you can support yourself. Absolutely. And, And so... So, so that being said, I, I think that it, it does take a true friend to sit there and say, you know, hey, you may be wrong about this, you know, and especially, you know, having good friends that tell you if you need to consult someone about your marriage, having someone that tells you, you know, hey, you messed up here. That's a, that's a really good thing. Um, and also listening to that even builds upon listening to your spouse because it, you need to be able to be okay when your spouse tells you you've messed up in something Mm -hmm. because once again your spouse hopefully is not coming at you to be mean absolutely and there's gonna be emotion you're gonna have that emotion of being upset or mad that your spouse is coming at you not coming at you but bringing this topic up and you have to kind of take a step back from that emotion and take that emotion as hard as it is out of it and think logically about it Um, and i think it goes for the women and wives too is make sure you're surrounding yourself with people who are supporting your marriage as well as the officer that you're not going to your friends and they're saying you should leave him. He's never going to change things like that. You want somebody around you that is in support of your marriage. So, uh, aside from 
a, a good friend and peer support. Do you have any other um, resources specifically? Yeah, for marriages, um, Thomas and I have both been to the Windshape Retreat, and that was really great. Um, we went a couple years back, and it was a couple days where we just really got to connect. Um, so I know that goes around you know, once or twice a year um, through the department. So if you have a chance to go to one of those, I would definitely recommend it. And then also small groups. Small groups are really great. You can find people through a church or you can create your own small group. You know, usually the small groups that we've been a part of are two or three other couples about the same age, might have smaller kids like we do, and you do a Bible study and you, we would then break off men and women and kind of talk about what we have going on. And it was just a really great social thing to come together, but then also being able to get into the word and then really be there for each other and be a sounding board for each other with the issues that we have going on. So I think small groups are really important and really helpful as well. Okay. Well, one last thing. And do you have any final advice for police officers and their spouses? I would say the biggest thing, um, two things actually. Um, one thing that I've experienced this week is Thomas and I had a really great week last week. He went to a men's retreat and, um, really worked on some PTSD stuff. I was with my family and we came home and we have, just kind of butted heads all week. We haven't gotten, we, not that we haven't gotten along, but certain issues have come up and we're like, what's going on? We feel like we have not been on the same page all week. You know, we just came back from these not being together for a whole week and then uh, two great weeks. We're like, what's going on? And we're like, the enemy is attacking. So I think that is a real thing. I think that remember when you're having really good highs and then all of a sudden you have lows, that there is a force at work trying to tear down really good marriages. I also think that, let's see, any other advice? Find a mentor, whether it's an older couple who kind of walked the path that you have walked. Uh, or are walking, find that mentor couple that you can go to um, that's maybe a retired officer or somebody who's not in the mix of it right now and really lean into that. Uh, I know a lot of people, they don't want to hang out with, you know, they want to hang out with people more their age, but really finding that older couple who've been through it all that can give you that real sound advice is really important too. Just like we want to have mentors in our work, we need to have mentors in our relationships as well. All right. Well, uh, Stacy, thank you so much for coming on. And remember, if you have any questions, comments, you can contact remaining sane podcast at gmail.com. Once again, that's remaining sane podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at remaining sane PC. This has been the remaining sane finding peace in our chaos podcast. Have a blessed rest of your day.